Church, say amen. So why are you doing all that? Because listen, people will talk with a reason or without, and I just want to clarify the reason. Amen? All right. We are in, we are in the minor prophets. We, we, we've been going, how many of y'all remember uh, several months ago, we started going through the Bible section by section. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. All right. We got all the way to the major prophets, and then we had to stop with missions month and everything. And now we are going to finish up the Old Testament today. Uh, we are in the minor prophets. We're going to start from Hosea to Malachi. Now, in order to be able to do this, there's 12 of those books. Y'all understand that? 12. We've got a short period of time. It's kind of like smoking the bandit. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it a little different than I normally do. I used to have you turn to a text. We'll start there, read the text, and then go uh, and explain the text. But here's what we want to do. I want you to have a seat. <clears throat> First off, have a seat <clears throat> and just focus on me for just a little bit. Hold your Bible. Hold your Bible there. We are going to go to Bible verses. I will put them on the screen up here, here in just a minute. But what I want to do, what I would like to do is just take a brief synopsis and explanation of each of these 12 books real quickly at just a few lines on each one, just to give you a basic understanding and a basic uh, knowledge of each of the books. And then I want to preach a message about what these 12 books tell us. These, these books have a message that was not only to God's people at that period of time, but we can apply it to us today right now. How many are glad the Bible endureth to all generations? And it will, it will, it will meet every need. It's just as relevant today as the day it was written. Amen? Let's look for just a moment and begin in prayer. And help me, help me with volume. I don't know why, but I, I, I can't hear it here in my head, and it might be just me. So just, just act like you're moving. You don't have to do nothing. Just act like it. Make me feel better about it. Amen? All right. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Uh, uh, Lord, I'm so glad we've got people that are faithful. They've come out in the rain. And they're in a tent to hear your word. And I pray that, that they will not leave disappointed. I pray right now that you'll speak to us, use your word, encourage, bless, convict, and change. And God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, say amen. amen. Hosea. Hosea is the first book in the Minor Prophets. Hosea uh, has the dubious honor of having his life used as a living moral object lesson for Israel. You see, God commanded Hosea to marry a prostitute, to marry a woman that he knew would be unfaithful to him because Hosea's life was a living picture, a living illustration of what the nation of Israel was doing with their God. They were committing adultery and they were, they were cheating on God with the gods of the other world. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The gods of this world, uh, they, there was a relationship that should have been between God and Israel, and God used Hosea's life as a picture of what the nation of Israel was doing to God. Joel. Joel recorded prophecies. They're short but direct. He described God's ju judgment as an invasion of locusts, a clear and, and terrifying of the Iron Age Israelite society. However, Joel is best known for predicting the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which occurs hundreds of years later at Pentecost, as described in Acts chapter number 2. Then we find Amos. Amos was a simple shepherd called to deliver a message nobody wanted to hear. Boy, that's awful like today, isn't it? A, a simple shepherd, which teaches me and tells me, God will use anybody, anytime, anywhere. 
I'm glad you don't have to have a great education. You don't, have to, you don't have to have a great pedigree. It doesn't matter where you've been, as that song said. God will use you. Just listen. He'll take you and use you for his glory. Say amen. amen. Amos brought a message and said that the nation of Israel is complacent, spiritually lazy. Doing it again? All right. Uh, spiritually lazy. Uh, he's, woo, that's hot. Amen. He's messing with me now. Amen. Can you hear me now? Amen. Uh, injustice in the form of slavery, greed, mistreatment of the poor. This was commonplace in Amos's time. Then we find Obadiah. Obadiah consists of just one chapter. Obadiah's message is quite specific in his time, describing the judgment that awaited the nation of Edom, which had done nothing to help Judah in her hour of need. What does that teach us? Whatever, listen, the nation of this world better be careful how they treat Israel. Because however the nations treat Israel, God will treat the nations. And God will bring judgment upon Edom for his actions with the nation of Judah. Then we find, then we find Jonah. Now this is the most famous one. This is the one everybody knows about of all the minor prophets. Most people will be more familiar with Jonah than any of them because in, in grade school and in, in, in Sunday school you heard, always heard the story of Jonah in the whale, uh, Jonah in the fish. Uh, he is the most famous of them all. Listen, he was swallowed by a fish while attempting to flee God's call. Jonah's prophetic message is, a, is directed not at Israel, but at the sin-choked foreign city of Nineveh, a reminder that God's love and forgiveness was not limited to one nation or ethnic group. God's endless compassion could reach even the Assyrians whose cruelty and military power had made them t the terror of the ancient world. Now, let me, let me kind of illustrate uh, how we could put that in modern day. Jonah was called to go tell ISIS to repent. Now do you understand why he hit the ship? They were a fierce city. They were a fierce and cruel people. And Jonah was called to go reach them. Now, we can, there's a whole lot to that book that we can take out, but one great thing that we need to understand by that is that it doesn't matter who you are. God is not the God of the United States. He's not the God of white people. He's not the God of the South. He's the God of the world. And he loves the ISIS people as much as he loves Southern Baptists or Baptists or Methodists or whoever here in the United States. Now, I know that's hard for us to fathom that God would love somebody who would cut somebody's head off. But you know what? Uh, we, we, we can't even understand the depth of our own sin. But yet God loves us too. Jonah. Then we find Micah. Micah was a familiar message. Israel and Judah had turned away from God to follow false prophets and hypocritical religion. The disaster was coming if they did not repent. Micah tried to remind his audience that God truly desired uh, what God truly desired from men and women was not religious ritual, but faithful living. Then we have Nahum. Nahum was one of the most obscure prophets. Nahum foretold the ruin of the mighty Assyrian Empire, which had hauled Judah into slavery and exile. His words were a warning that no city or nation was so powerful as to be beyond the reach of God's judgment. And then Habakkuk. This, this one stands out above them all. Habakkuk was not necessarily addressing issues as much as he was asking questions. He was asking tough questions. Questions like, why does God allow evil to exist? Have you ever wondered that? Why, why, if God is sovereign, why do wicked people prosper? 
Why does it seem like people who sacrifice and, and people who, who try to work and serve and do everything they can for God, and it seems like they struggle and they fight and they scratch to just to keep their head above service, and then the people that run around like whoremongers and, and live and steal and cheat and do everything wrong seems to prosper all their way. You see, even, even people in the ancient world had questions and wrestled with questions, the same difficult questions about it, but thank God God answered him and blessed. Say amen. Zephaniah. Zephaniah, he prophesied during the reign of King Josiah. He warned Judah that if they did not turn away from false religion and pagan practices, God's judgment would fall on them. God's day of judgment is portrayed not just as a day of suffering, but as a time of rejoicing, when God would return to rescue the oppressed and restore the broken. The wicked had cause to fear judgment, but the faithful could look ahead to with hope. Haggai. He served as a prophet while a small remnant of Jews returning from exile were struggling to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. His message was one of encouragement and hope. God was still with his people. You know, sometimes when you've, you've had to go on through the correction of God and the judgment of God, sometimes you think God hates you. But that's not so. That's not so. Zechariah. He was a post-exile prophet like Haggai and also directed his message to the surviving remnant returned from exile to Babylon. He stands out as an Old Testament messenger who spoke clearly about the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. Malachi, the last one. The last book of the Bible, the last of the minor prophets. He, re he preached to the returning exiles also. Malachi offered a less happy message. After all they'd been through, God's people still fell into disobedience. Israel's priests and leaders were leading their flock astray. And only a faithful few remained who lived in accordance with God's law. The book of Malachi concludes the Old Testament with a reminder of humanity's need for a Savior. If all that made sense, say amen. Now, what do we take from that? When you read, when you read Hosea to Malachi and you put it all together, you find a message that God is delivering. Three things I want to share with you today. Three truths, I guess, if you want to use that word. Uh, three truths that we can, we can put down deep in our heart. How does this apply to us? The Bible is very relevant to us today. This, this nation that we live in. How many of y'all would agree that this nation has been blessed beyond any nation on earth besides the nation of Israel? We've had the bounties of blessings and the touch of God and the protection of God and the guidance of God for so long because this nation doesn't matter what, what secular historians are trying to make it out to be today. This nation was founded under God. Say amen. And now we have, we have left, we have stretched, we have, we have left the, 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 the direction and the guidance of God and we have a word for the hour. You see, the nation of Israel was blessed. The nation of Israel had been taken out of captivity. The nation of Israel had been promised and, and had the, the touch and the honor of God upon it, yet they forgot God. In their prosperity, they forgot God. In their blessing, they forgot God, and they turned away from God and turned to the gods of this world and turned to the gods of the, the people around them, and they began to backslide against God and do the things that God was displeased with. So God would send a man. God would send a preacher. God would send a prophet. God would send somebody to direct and give a message to them. And this is what I want to share today. Because if there's ever been a day that this country needed a man to stand and deliver a message from God, it's in the hour we live today. What message did they deliver? What, what was the truth that God wanted his people to know? First, first off, number one, if you're taking notes, it was a, it was a message of revelation. 
Say that word with me. It was a message of, everybody say it. It was a message of revelation. He was revealing. He was uncovering. What was he uncovering? The state, the condition of the state, the condition of the people, the condition of the nation. Look what it says in Micah 3 verse 8. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might. Why did God give the prophet spirit? Why did God give the prophet judgment? Why did God give the prophet power to deliver this message, to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin? Preacher, what are you saying? God wants us to know where we stand with him. God will bring a man to preach the truth. He will bring a man to preach the word because we need to know where we stand with God. We need to know the condition of our life. We need to know where we are at in holiness and righteousness. Uh, we cannot just live like there's always going to be a tomorrow. We need to understand where we stand in our state with God. Somebody say amen. They had backslidden and God says, I want you to understand where you are. Do you know the Bible? The Bible is compared to a mirror. God said this word is a mirror. This mirror is so it can reveal necessities that need to happen. A mirror will reveal where you need to make adjustments. Say amen. When you look into that mirror, it is brutally honest. Whatever's in front of it, it reveals it. And I'm telling you, sometimes we'll open that Bible and it will reveal something in our life that we don't want to see. We don't want to see. We don't want to hear. We don't want to admit. We don't want to accept. God will say there's pride in your life or there's selfishness in your life or there's sin in your life. There's greed in your life. And we don't want to hear it, so we'll turn away from the mirror. But the message is to reveal. Preacher, what, what's the problem with our country? Well... I, 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 I just listed just a few things. <clears throat> what do we need to reveal about our country? The state of our country. Well, first off, we're killing innocent babies by the millions. In the name of choice, in the name of freedom, we are killing unborn babies. We kick God out of the public school systems and replace Christianity with a false religion of evolutionism. And it is a religion. It is a matter of fact, it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does that God created this world. I want to say right there, but I got to get going. Amen. Through the tolerance movement, we've embraced and even elevated the false gods and false prophets of many religions. We've just put up with it and, and, and say, well, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend this group, and we don't want to offend that group. Well, we've done everything. Uh, we've, we've, we've tried so hard, and we've accomplished not offending anybody but God. Here in our country, we indoctrinate our children in the public schools to believe that homosexuality is a morally acceptable lifestyle. Our society is so inundated by sexual imagery that most men are caught up in the sin of lust in one way or the other. NASA wastes billions of dollars searching for the origins of life when all they have to do is go to the dollar store, buy a $5 King James Bible, turn it to page number one, and understand that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Somebody say amen. This is our country. New age cults and philosophies are sweeping the country. Many states are allowing gambling or even participating themselves with state-sponsored lotteries. We elect government officials who do not pass God's litmus test for being leaders. The occult practices are rampant, even on TV. We have TV programs where medium psychics are supposed to be communicating with the dead. 
Our television programming and other entertainment media are filled with immoral filth. Openly gay characters, rampant sexual images, and excessive graphic violence are just a few examples of the problem while we as God's people sit and laugh at what God calls wickedness. Our society is far more obsessed with entertainment, pleasure, and sports than it is with godly matters. The liberal, secular news media and public school system frequently attacks Bible truths and principles. And for the most part, God is ignored in the mainstream secular media and entertainment industry. Pornography is in an epidemic level. Premarital sex is rampant in our society and church. Many children today are born out of wedlock. Stay-at-home mothers are mocked as being out of touch with the way today's modern women should be living their life. I mean, one thing after another, we have walked completely away from our Judeo-Christian values. One step after another, we have gone down a slippery slope and going into immorality while the church is dying, while the church is plateauing, while the church is too busy doing their own thing, while the church is too busy to pray, too busy to cry, too hard-hearted and too selfish to do something. I'm telling you, our country needs to wake up. And the men of these prophets would stand and they would declare, this is where you stand with God. They would declare the state and the condition of the country, but not only the condition of the state, but I want you to see the consequences of their sin. They would say this is not going to be swept under the rug. You cannot get away with treating God this way. The Bible says in Amos 4, 6, and also I have given you, this is God speaking to the nation, I have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. In other words, cleanness of teeth means you don't have nothing to eat. He has given famine. He's affected their economic system. Y'all with me? Y'all still out there? Everybody awake? Listen. And also I have withholden the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece thereon, whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Now watch what this says. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. In other words, I did everything I could to get your attention, yet you would not return unto me. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees. Now, now some of this really to us is, well, that's not that. You got to understand that was how they made their living. That was their economic system. They were an agriculture society. And what God's saying, I hit your checkbook, yet you would not turn to me. I have sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with a sword and have taken away your horses and I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. In other words, you just barely made it out. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. Listen, everybody's got their own beliefs about stuff and their own opinions about stuff, but I want you to understand, 9-11 was God getting our attention. All of the things that's taken place in our country, all of the things, natural disasters and all these, these issues, God has tried to get our attention. 
And he said, because I couldn't, because you wouldn't return unto me, prepare to meet thy God. You know, wasn't it amazing that right after 9-11, you could go down the highway and you could see billboards, billboards with just one word. One, I, I seen them. I remember them. Bill, whole billboards that said one word, pray. Everybody wanted God then. Everybody was afraid. Everybody was fearful. Everybody was wondering what was going to be next. Is this the end of the world? And everybody wanted God. But look at it now. They're legalizing same-sex marriage all over the country. We have, we have moral issues all over this country that's devastating the family and the foundation of the home. And we're telling God, we don't need you. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, I promise you, you cannot receive the blessings of God and turn your back on God and not receive the judgment of God. To whom much is given, much is required. The minor prophets are full of the message of revelation. Number two, the minor prophets are full of the message of repentance. That's a dirty word, isn't it? We want to hear about grace and Cadillacs and mansions. We want to hear the prosperity of the gospel that if you just give $19.99, we'll send you a double, triple blessing. It'll be there in three days. Our nation's going to hell while preachers are standing up saying, listen, that, that God's going to just give you and give you and give you and give you. He's going to give you, all right. When they need to be standing up and saying, repent. Repent. 34 times we find the word turn between Hosea and Malachi. Repent. Turn. The Bible says, the Bible says in... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Let's see. In Hosea 12, 6. Therefore turn thou to thy God. Keep mercy and judgment. Wait on thy God continually. Hosea 14, 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. For thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So we'll render the calves of our lips. In other words, the sacrifice of our lips. Praise unto him. Joel 2, verse 12. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all of your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Preacher, what are you saying? We've turned the word repent and taken it out of our books. We've taken it out of our sermons. We're taking it out of our Bibles because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear how to live. Nobody wants to hear a rebuke. Nobody wants to hear correction. Just leave me alone. Tell me I'm going to be all right. Tell me about grace. Tell me about mercy. Tell me about heaven. Tell me about God's love. But stay out of my life and stay out of my business. Well, you know what? That won't work. Do you know what the first message that John Baptist preached when he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, full of the anointing of God? He stood up and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what Jesus started preaching when John the Baptist had his head cut off and Jesus stood forward and started his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what Peter was preaching when Jesus resurrected and went back to glory? Repent, repent. You know what? Hollywood needs to repent. The White House needs to repent. The State House needs to repent. Thank God the church house needs to repent. 
The word repent means to turn. It means to change your mind. But not just change your mind. A change of mind that produces a change of action. Did y'all get that? A change of mind that produces a change of action. In other words, if you said you repented, but you're still doing what you was doing, you didn't repent. You might have been remorseful, but God's not after remorse. He's after repentance. How many of y'all, how many, let me give you a good illustration. How many of y'all uh, remember the story of the prodigal son? Y'all remember? Fell at left. He told his father, give everything that's coming to me. He got all of his inheritance, got all of his money, and he went to a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. Yeah. He had a party for a little while. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Are y'all with me? Lost it all. And if you go in the devil's crowd, that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to lose it all. And here he is in a hog pen. Here he is, a son of a wealthy man. A son who always had shoes on his feet, always had clothes on his back, always had a roof over his head, always had food to eat. Now he is shoeless, he is in rags, and he is sitting in a hog pen starving to death. That's the way the devil will leave you, say amen. And you know what he said? <clears throat> I, loved, I loved the way uh, uh, King James writes it. When he came to himself. How many of y'all have ever had that coming to yourself moment? What, is that, what does that mean? What in the world am I doing here? Have you ever had that moment in your life where you just all of a sudden realize that where you was and where you used to be and where you are now, and you think, how in God's name did I get here? The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, how many, how many servants of my father had bread enough to spare, and here I am sitting here hungry. Boy, I had something dawn on me in that first service. I mean, one of them God moments that God just kind of helped me understand. You know what? Uh, the servants were the lowest people on the totem pole. Y'all with me? The lowest people on the totem pole. And he realized the lowest people on the totem pole had something to eat at the Father's house. And you know what God whispered in my ear? Now, I know there's no low people on the totem pole in God's kingdom. But do you know the people that have the least in God's kingdom still have it better than the best in the devil's kingdom? Say amen. He said, how many servants of my fathers have bread enough in despair? And I'm sitting here with hungry. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to arise and I'm going to go to my father. And I'll say unto my father, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. Just let me serve. You know what I found out about repentance? When you truly repent, you'll be humble. You'll not be arrogant. You'll not be cocky. You'll not be selfish. I've seen people who said, oh, I repent. But you are still the same way. You think God owes you something? But boy, when you really repent, you don't care. You just want God to take you back. And he said, I'm going to go into my father. And y'all know what happened. The old preacher said it this way. He, listen, he, he, hallelujah. He dropped a pail, jumped a rail, and hit the trail. Say amen. Now, let me tell you something. If you stay in the Bible, this, this, this is some Christians today. Well, I, boy, I tell you what, I sure am sorry I'm where I'm at. I know it's better when I was in the house of God. I know it was better in my life when I was serving him. I know I got along with my wife a whole lot better when I was in the house of God where I was supposed to be. And I know, doggone. That's not repentance. 
That's remorse. This is repentance. Lord, I know I messed up big, and I know I left where you are, but Lord, I'm coming home. Amen. I'm going to go back to where I was. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. That is repentance. Yeah. Hey, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I'm running out of time. Hang on. Hang on. Watch this. Watch this. Everybody wants, everybody wants the homosexual agenda and, and that crowd and, 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 and all them to repent. We want to stand and we want to march against them and all that. Well, what about the, the husbands in the churches that are cheating on their wives? What about the teenagers having premarital sex that we're supposed to be teaching them better? We want to holler and scream at everybody that's not guilty of our sin. Now, I'm not for that agenda. I'm not for same-sex marriage. There is no such thing. It is not even recognized in the eyes of God. I'm not for none of that. But don't be so hateful and judgmental against them people and not judge your own sin. The Bible says that judgment needs to start in the house of God. What did he say in 2 Chronicles chapter 7? If my people, say it with me, if my people. He didn't say Congress. He didn't say the president. He didn't say the schoolhouse. He didn't say the community center. He said, if my, that's me and you guys. If my people will humble themselves, that's the problem. We're spoiled rotten, and we, we've got this mentality that God owes us something. God doesn't owe us anything. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble them, say it with me, we don't even like to say it. Shall, shall humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. That means repentance. Call on to me, he says. Pray. Preacher, what kind of, we don't bow down to idols. Yeah, but you might be prideful. You might be on that phone gossiping all the time, running other people down. Man, this is the quietest sermon I've ever preached in a while. We're, 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 we're arrogant. We're selfish. We're apathetic. Yesterday I, I saw Facebook from Alabama fans to Georgia fans to Carolina fans to Tennessee. I mean, they blowed it up. And that's fine. If I'd have won, I'd have blowed it up. Amen. But we didn't. We just blow it up. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but let's be honest about this. When's the last time we got that fired up about something that God had in our heart and, and for his purpose? And don't think, don't think, I know there's people that want to get so self-righteous and so spiritual and all, bless God, you people. And that's just because they have a losing ball team. Say, amen, that's them people. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, when was the last time you got fired up about something of God? We got to quit blaming society in this world about the problems of this world. It's not their fault. They're doing what lost people do. This country's not in the shape it's in because of what the lost people are doing. It's what the saved people are not doing. And we need to repent. Amen. I know this is not popular, and you won't hear this on TV. You'll never hear Joel say this, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> repent. We need to change. 
We need to repent. Why? Because God promised in those same prophetic books, if we will repent, he will restore. Boy, I want to see God's hand in this country again. I want to see God's blessings on this country again. I mean, there's no denying, there's no denying God's favor on, the, on, on our country. And all that he's done for us, don't you want to see that again? Don't you want to see the days that, that y'all grew up in again where you could leave your door unlocked? Don't you want to see the days when we cared about each other and, and listen, and, and we cared about morals? Well, I want to see that again. And God said, I'll restore if you repent. And all God's people said, let's stand. Let's stand. I want to do this. It's raining. Ain't, ain't no sense in being in no hurry. I, I, want, I want to ask all those that will, will come and stand right here. I, I want to pray for our country. If you care about your country, come help me pray. If you care about your cities and your families and your children, just, just stand right here. Don't, don't kneel or nothing. Don't kneel. Just stand. Just come and gather with me and stand. There's something about God's altar that just, it just does something. Amen. I, I know God can hear us no matter where we're standing, but, but if you're concerned, if you agree with what was said today, if you agree that our country's in desperate need of repentance and restoration, come, come and let's pray. If my people, that's me, that's you, if my people shall humble themselves, shall call upon my name, he says, shall call and ask, come. Father, we thank you so much. We're praying together. We ask you to forgive us of our sin, sin of arrogance, sin of apathy, sin of self-righteousness, sin of selfishness, Lord, sin of pride, sin of anger. Lord, just all the things that would hinder you from moving in our church and in our communities, in our own families, in our lives. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll please forgive us. Forgive us where we've failed you. Forgive us where we've been disobedient. Forgive us where we've walked away. God, we ask and we are repenting this morning so that you will restore. Restore your provision. Restore your protection. Restore your peace. Restore your harmony. Restore your provision. Restore your joy. Restore your happiness. Restore your touch and your favor in our country, in our communities, in our churches, in our families. God, I pray that you'll have your way. We're here today praying together that you will have your way. And God will thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you find your seat, we're going to sing a verse of invitation. We'll have folks down at this altar right now that will take a Bible. Forgive me. Take a Bible and show you how to I be saved today. To make it through. If you need to come, if you need to pray, you, if you need to seek I'm God, I pray, I pray that you'll come. I pray that you'll come. 